Good morning, St. Michael's. Please stand with us as we begin this service this morning with worship. God wants to meet us where we are and create opportunity and passion to grow inside us. That little fire is ready to burn. The Holy Spirit is within us and ready to be shown to the world. There's freedom in that, and it's so inviting. It's a freedom to be exactly who we are in Christ. We ask you to take hold of that and enter into worship with us this morning.
says, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Christ have mercy. Peace, good will towards men. We praise thee, we bless thee, we worship thee, we glorify thee, we give thanks to thee for thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. Thou that takest away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sittest at the right hand of the Father, mercy upon us. For Thou only art holy, Thou only art the Lord, Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The atmosphere is changing now For the Spirit of the Lord is here The evidence is all around That the Spirit of the Lord is here Spirit is changing now. For the Spirit. 
Good news. 
Lord be with you. Let's pray together our collect this morning. Almighty God, the fountain of all wisdom, you know our necessities before we ask and our ignorance in asking. Have compassion on our weakness and mercifully give us those things which are for unworthiness we dare not and for our blindness we cannot ask. Through the worthiness of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Children. Lord, we pray for the blessing of Almighty God to rest upon these children. Just pray uh, for Evan, who's uh, had to go to the hospital, and that uh, you just open up his throat, Lord. Just open up his throat, even as we speak the words. Let our faith, Lord, just cause his throat to be open and the healing power of Almighty God. Let your spirit rest upon these, your children, your future leaders in our church. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we have the patriarch with us, and what a blessing it is whenever he's here. I hope he feels like it's his uh, church, because it is. Our Old Testament reading this morning is taken from Genesis, chapter 18, verse 1, commencing. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please, little, little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by, inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, Do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah your wife shall have a son. This is the word of the Lord. 
Our psalm this morning is Psalm 15, and we will read Psalm 15 by the half verse. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and will be forever. Our second reading comes from Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things that were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. Now it happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good to be back. I just uh, realized it was almost, it's one year and one week ago I was here. And, um, and, and the reason I know that is a, a memory thing showed up on Facebook this morning <laughs> with, with me in the pulpit. But it's, it's always good to be back here, and, um, and it's also good to have uh, Bishop Almer and uh, his wife Sita and all their children here uh, at St. Michael's. 
I really, uh, I really like being part of a liturgical church, and um, for a lot, a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons. And I'm sure those of you who have journeyed now for decades in, from Pentecostalism into the liturgical life appreciate it as well. There's something about it. And but one of the things I, I really like about it is the daily office and the liturgical calendar. And uh, because it forces, it forces, first of all, it forces the preacher to preach the whole scriptures and not his favorite verse. Um, and, and it forces a preacher as well, has forced me now for 40 years to go through the scriptures over and over and over and over and over and over again. You know, to, to, to immerse in, in the life, and they do it for me. The lectionary does it for me. It drags me into it. And a part of that, if you don't do the daily office, but you just come on Sunday's mornings, is a Sunday lectionary which you know is out of three-year cycle. And how it works, if, if, I'm sure most of you are familiar with this, but how it works is you begin the year in Advent, and you start, we start to talk about uh, the coming of Jesus and the end times at the same, same time. But it's the preparation. John the Baptist appears, and, and then we come to Christmas. Jesus is born. And from all of that, da, 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 through... Uh, the Feast of the Incarnation, through Epiphany, through East, Lent, Easter, all the post-Easter appearances, Ascension, and then Pent- up to Pentecost, all the scriptures deal with the question, who is Jesus? Who is he? And that is the most important question ever. You know, when Paul gets knocked off his horse, what's the first thing he asks? Who are you? And the reason for that is if you get Jesus wrong, you get everything else wrong. It has to be, who is he? And, and for the first four or five centuries of the church, all the Nicene Creed and all that stuff, what are those discussions about? Who is Jesus? Who is he? Because if we don't get this right, everything else will get wrong. They did a survey of uh, some young people several years ago, and they asked them uh, if they liked who they if they liked Jesus, and they all said yes. And they said why, and they said because he's just like me. I said, oh, are we in trouble? <laughs> See, because there is a tendency in the in the world today to make Jesus in our image, so he's going to be just like us. Well, that's just not true. He is human. You know, and he is in every way like us, but how, what, what difference? He's without sin. But it's even more than that. It's even more than that. And if we, and if we come, so after we figure out who he is, then the lectionary takes us, so what are you going to do about it? Here, if you know who he is, you know he's the king of kings and lord of lords, right? And the message, the only message he ever preached in his entire life, he only had one sermon. It was the kingdom of God. That's all he preached. Over and over again, the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is like this. What do you do if you want to come into the kingdom? How do you come into the kingdom? When is the kingdom coming? 
It's all about the kingdom. And so from Pentecost back through Advent, every Sunday will be about kingdom living. What do we do? And the scriptures this morning in Colossians, let's just all to get to this. We see in that first chapter, basically from 15 on, is what Paul does. Paul writes, now if you're like me, when readings are being read, I'm usually drifting to like, where do I put my keys? You know, what's, how long is this next song going to be? You know, so I always have to read them before and then go home and read them after. And I encourage you to do that with this first chapter, 15th verse, all the way to the end. Because in those first verses, what we heard this morning is the preeminence of Christ. He is everything. He is above all things. It says the whole world was created for him, by him. He holds it all together. You know, He's the head of the church, which I think a lot of Christians have to realize. Now, it's his church. It's not ours. And it goes on. And then Paul makes the shift. After he says this is who he is, he does this remarkable shift and says, Now, you have been called. You who were not worthy. You who were sinners. You who were broken and weak. You know? And you know why God calls sinners and broken people and weak people? Because he doesn't have a choice. All of us are equal on that level. <laughs> and yet, he says, here we are, we who are like that, and perhaps even are a little bit still like that. I like the song we sang this morning. You know, even though I make mistakes, you're still there. He called us. He's chosen us. And he knew what he was getting. And what he's doing, then he tells us what he is doing in us. Now that's important. What is it he's doing with us and in us and about us? He's, Christ is, he says, we got the mystery that's been hidden for all the ages that Christ is in us. That Christ is in us. And in us as the body of Christ. He's, he's in us. And what he says is, what we have been called to do, our life, if we want to find meaning and purpose in life, is to participate, and I'm going to unpack this more, in his life. It's not to get him to participate in our life. It's us to participate in his life. You know, Jesus never asked anybody if they want to get saved. People ask him, how do I get saved? He never asks that. What he does is he says, come follow me. Come follow me. And what he means by that is something that, that we in the West really don't understand or especially in the 21st century. And, you know, they call Jesus rabbi, which means teacher, right? And our understanding in the West, all of us, me included, that 
Teaching and student, being a student, is a passive activity that is put upon you by the teacher. And so you go to school, and you go to first grade, second grade, third grade. You know, you ask your kids, what grade are you in? You know, and you've got what you're doing is you're just passing through these grades. And then every parent praying, begging, pleading unto God, and tithing that they graduate from high school. Amen. And uh, high school is okay, you know, to, to do it. But then everybody's got to go to college. You know, that, because that process, that learning process, you've got to get more information. Right? So now we're talking about free college. Right? And uh, so the government's going to pay for free college because that's the most important. And it's going to be this, get more and more information. And unfortunately, you even see that in seminary. Somebody gets a call upon their lives, and we've got to get information into them. We've got, we got to get knowledge into them. And then they graduate. They get a certificate, a diploma they can hang up on their wall. And now they're officially learned. <laughs> you know, and they can do this, this job. Well, in biblical education, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Your teacher actually becomes your master. And truth comes not by information, but by revelation. You know, nobody in the New Testament, really interesting, knew who Jesus was. None of them. Only time they got close, the disciples, of really figuring out who he was, was Peter. When he says, who do they say that I am? And Peter goes, oh, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what does Jesus say? You didn't figure that out. It was revealed to you. And instantly, then Peter goes, Jesus says, here's the plan. Gives them information. Son of man's going to go, he's going to be crucified, he's going to die. Blah, blah, blah. And Peter goes, that's a lousy plan. <laughs> and then he's rebuked by Jesus. Jesus at one point says to the Pharisees, you study the scriptures over and over again, but you don't know who it's about. Paul, brilliant scholar, yet it took, he didn't figure out, he was killing the Christians. I'm the one you're persecuting. Because the life of a Christian does not begin with information. It begins with revelation. An encounter with Christ of Colossians 15 and following. And then a continued encounter. And a continued growing... See, we think, we think being a mature Christian is having more information. No. In fact, some of those people with more information are really dangerous. You know? You know, and you find that out, you put a collar on. I tell a story of I was in Dallas. I've quit smoking, but when I was smoking, and I was doing a pipe thing. And uh, I was in Dallas and I, at the airport, and I come out, and I'm all dressed in black. And all of a sudden, I notice coming down, heading straight at me, 
It's this guy with a Bible, not just an ordinary Bible, but almost one that you could put on your dining room or on your coffee table. And he's got it open. You know? And I said, this is not going to be a friendly conversation. No matter how he starts it, even if he starts, dear brother, I love you. You know, I'm going to speak the truth to you. you So the first thing he does is he goes, don't you know that in the scriptures it says, call no man father. Oh, I didn't know that. Thank you for pointing that out. And then I proceeded to light my pipe. He wasn't going to give up because he had to get me saved, right? He says, well, don't you know? See, he's got information. (laughs) He's got information. Don't you know it says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? I said, yes, I do know that. That's why I keep it filled with smoke. (laughs) At which point he turned away and he had a story for his Bible study. (laughs) It's information, and information keeps dividing us, getting us into judgment of each other, getting us attacking each other. When it comes from revelation, and what Jesus says is, come follow me and participate in my life. Learn who I am. And then allow who I am to be formed in you. Romans 8.29. That those he loves, he is also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. To be him. That's what Jesus is working in each one of us. And the problem is we want to be us and he wants us to be him. And what he says is if you really want fullness and purpose and you need to participate in my life, and if you're going to participate in my life, you're going to suffer. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to face trials. Why? That's what I did. That's what happened to me. And in fact, the way to life is death. You can't be resurrected. You can't pull hold over the crucifixion. It'll be an entrance into, for all of us eventually, the reality that we're going to die. That's everybody in this room, we have that in common. But that's the beginning of eternal life. That's that entrance, how we do, that participation in his life. I believe there's a lot of people, you know, I, I've actually spoken to bishops about this, particularly around the country, that I, I just sense that things are going to get worse in our country. I read... Uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, a nation who aborts its babies loses its soul. And so the question to me right now is not, is America right or wrong or Republican or Democrat, but have we lost our soul? Do we know who we are? We've kicked God out of the schools. We've kicked God out of the government. We've kicked God out of, out of life. You know, 
our souls in jeopardy. On both sides, no matter where you come from, whatever issue you face, you can't, you can't kill 4,000 babies a day and expect God to keep blessing you. Eventually, the, you know, the cards come in. And everybody goes, oh, you're so depressing. I said, but I'm, not, I'm really not. That really gives me hope. Because here's, here's what I know in, in my life and in the life of a lot of people. I didn't like it when I was suffering, but I find a man or a woman who's never suffered is really shallow. There's something about those suffering, that those trials, you know, the pain that we shouldn't hide from our children. You know? I think we've ended up with a generation that we just we want them to be happy right. instead of holy. And to become holy, you've got to suffer. It's got to be hard to be holy. You go through hard times. That's why I love the World War II generation that's dying off. I don't know about you, but I spent all this year, the 75th year of Normandy, all for like two days watching the History Channel and about these guys that landed 18, 19 years old. And then not only them, but their parents, the mothers who lost these kids. You know, my, Kathy got in touch with her mother, who's 93, who lost two brothers in World War II. And found out, it's kind of, and found in here, she, they actually sent uh, a picture of their, their tombstone to Kathy. She wrote off to the cemetery. That's something, that price that was paid. But this price, that suffering created a generation that created a society that put a man on the moon. That created hospitals and colleges and universities and, and sacrificed. And you know what you find today with the happy generation? All these fraternal groups that used to help people, and do, they don't exist anymore. They're gone. And even in the church. And we've all become self-absorbed. With a generation that thinks it's about them. Why do they think it's about them? Because we told them it was. I'm doing all of this for you. Until they find an employer who doesn't believe that. <laughs> you know? you know, I, I remember, <laughs> remember that thing in New York when they did uh, Operation Occupy or something? And they did, you know, I live in New York, so they covered it every night, you know. So, and uh, they come up and they interview this one young girl who's, um, I call the Birkenstock set, you know. It's like, <laughs> and they just got the picture. And they said, why are you here? She said, I can't find a job. And the guy said, oh, that's terrible. She said, yes. She said, I've got a Ph.D. And I can't get a job. And he says, well, what's your Ph.D. in? She said, 12th century Russian literature. <laughs> I said, does she know that the only job available for that is occupied by the guy who taught her? <laughs> but she's happy. They did whatever she wanted. But Jesus says, no, where is real truth found? It's in him. It's in allowing him to be formed in us. And that occurs, I believe, in desperation. 
when we're desperate for Jesus is when I've made my biggest advances. I hate desperation. I like to be in control. So if you're a priest, say, you absolve me. But that's what happens to me all the time. I want to have the strategy, the plan. I want to be in control. And yet, when I've advanced the most in the kingdom of God, or in my marriage, or with my children, it's when I've been desperate for him and him alone. Because it's all about him. See, I love a liturgical church. I love the CEC because it's a worship movement. It's not a theology movement. And I can sit with the eggheads and they can be a Calvinist, you know, and or they can be antinomian, they can be whatever. And, you know, people come up. I'm really not into that. You know, I get people come up to me and say, you know, what do you think about transubstantiation? I say, I don't. <laughs> I haven't thought about it since my second year in seminary. You know, <laughs> that's not what I think about. But I'll talk to you about it, you know, if you want. It's, uh, I'd rather pray with you and I'd rather try to advance the kingdom. I'd rather try to be more learning how to love like God loves and to know that love on a deeper level. But I know that that's always going to bring me to a point of desperation again. It's going to bring me... And so people have been praying, Lord, make the church strong. And I've been praying, Lord, make the church weak. Let us run out of strategies. Let us run out of plans so we can trust in you. And so that we can come and say, we're not afraid. We're not afraid of what's going to happen around us. This Jesus is in control. He's on the throne, and he's in us. He's in this church, and God is preparing us. He's giving us the strength to endure for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. God wants to build something. If you're here, if you're here, you're young. God wants to build something here. He's not given up. He's with us, and he's working with us, and he's working through us. And no matter how desperate it looks... <laughs> That's a good place. That's the place to be. I was talking to some some person back in church a couple years ago, actually, and then they came and a lot of tears in their eyes and said, I've lost everything. You don't understand. I've lost lost my job. I'm about ready to lose my marriage. You know, I've lost my my home. You know, it's like everything. I've lost. I said, oh, you prayed a prayer. Uh, They looked at me and I said, yeah, you probably prayed one day. Jesus, all I want is you. (laughs) And now you got him. (laughs) And now you have to trust him. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. St. Michael's, God's not finished with you. This is a great church. You don't know it. You think you're okay. I'm telling you, you're great. This church changed my life. Changed my wife's life. It changed my church's life.
This church has changed the lives of people all around the world. In Africa, in Asia, in Europe. This church. Because it trusted God. To stay there. Go back there. And he has a blessing prepared for you. It's going to happen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Let's say together the creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. That we all may be one. That your name may be glorified by all people. that they may be faithful ministers of your word and sacraments, that there may be justice and peace on the earth, that our works may find favor in your sight, that they may be delivered from their distress, let light, light perpetual, perpetual shine, shine upon them. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. May we also come to share in your heavenly kingdom. All this we ask in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. And with your own spirit. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace. Anything in particular?
pardon. Be sure to check out your bulletin. There are, uh, well, it's summer. There's hardly anything in the bulletin. <laughs> Enjoy your summer. Pray for those who are traveling. We're doing some cleanup stuff around here, some acoustical stuff in a couple of weeks, and uh, for school cleanup on uh, August 17th. So mark your calendar. Enjoy your summer. Pray for those who are traveling. Amen. Bishop? Yeah, and uh, pray for those who are uh, on vacation. Yep. Because it's... Uh, it's, it's a tough out there. It's tough. <laughs> Amen. Well, Amen. I, I want to just say how great uh, our worship team's doing. We're so Amen. blessed to have our newest member, who's really one of our oldest members. Good to have you back. You're just, uh, man, your smile alone is enough to uh, infect the song. Phil? As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
table of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. Come to the table. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let's give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that has made us a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. And everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you have called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choirs of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and join in their unending hymn of praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you are holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted 
Jesus took bread and gave him thanks. He broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. Gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died. Christ Christ is risen. risen. Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and this saving cup. And we thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world and make us grow in love together with me, an unworthy servant of Bishop Douglas and all the clergy. Remember those who are sick among us, particularly those for whom we now pray. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him, with him, and in him, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and so we have the courage to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, Therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Jesus died for you and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving.
shots here. Boss, will you come down here and pray for this man? <laughs> you know, uh, you, you know I'm a heart specialist, right? <laughs> no, I think he's uh, used me as a vessel to heal more hearts than any other part of people's bodies. But uh, Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We just bless this man of God. We just anoint him with your healing oil. We pray the prayer of faith, Lord. We just pray for that heart that uh, everything's going to go well. Every part just made whole, functioning right, Lord. We just pray that uh, they don't have problems anymore, but that everything is going to work out because the Almighty God has touched him, Lord. And we cry out, blessed is your name. Amen. Amen. Okay. 
Jesus Christ. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who roam throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. The other thing I like about a liturgical church is that if the sermon bombs, and I've had a few, and it really doesn't matter because most people don't remember what you said anyways, but you always come to the Eucharist. It always comes back to Jesus and that he's forgiven us. And we're walking out of here about as close to perfection as we're going to get because he's in us and he's forgiven us. You know, all our sins have been forgiven. Now, for some of us, we might not make it out the door without doing another one. But it doesn't matter because we've got the grace of God. And he's working in us, Paul's going to write. He's working in us. And that good work, he's going to bring to completion. We're just coming back to the table over and over again and being fed. So when you leave here, even if you forget the sermon, remember the gospel. Remember the good news. If somebody starts talking to you and it sounds like bad news, it's not the good news. <laughs> it's good news that God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself, not counting your sins against you. God loves you. Nothing you can do to make him love you more and nothing you can do to make him love you less. And he's forgiven you. And so he's not angry with you. And he'll never leave you, nor will he forsake you. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and with those you love and care for this day and forever. Amen.
Hearts awake at the sound of Jesus. 